Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Night fans, so sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Gordon and Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow knight. Trust Gordon and Partners for the injured. Hello, Night Nation. Trace Trelko here. Welcome in to the Sons of UCF Live. Adam is here. So is Leo. And Leo, you're doing a better job of returning this week than, say, uh, Ithiel Horton. Oh. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough flow for the basketball team. Live on this very show just one week ago, and as you said to me, yeah, 48 hours later, goners. Yeah. Once a night, always a night? I <laughs> Sometimes <guess>. a night. <laughs> Sometimes. Maybe. Uh, UCF opens the 2023 football season just 63 days, but more importantly, officially enters the Big 12 in just two. Adam, we're on the cusp. We're on the countdown, Trace. It's starting to feel real, starting to see a lot of chatter out there. I'm getting hit up by a bunch of podcasts who now want to learn about UCF and welcome, welcome us to the conference. So starting to feel real. I know we have a big event we'll talk about in a little bit, but uh, a long, long wait. The hard work of many comes to fruition on July 1st. It's such a cool thing to be a part of. Yeah, we'll talk about the big event on Saturday, uh, but a little news this afternoon. UCF inking James Madison of the Sun Belt uh, to a uh, game in 2029. Circle it now, September 8th, 2029. By the way, we're now that school that's paying a million dollars plus to get one of these uh, G5s to, to come to the bounce house. Uh, UCF Board of Trustees earlier today officially approved the Cure Bowl being played in the bounce house this coming December seemed to be a conflict where they've been the last couple of years at uh, the home of the Orlando city MLS team and a big 12 home opener versus Baylor that sold out and then announced today, the West Virginia game on homecoming sold out. So two of the six home games already sold out uh, there. You can see back to what you were saying, Adam, there's enthusiasm, excitement. People are, are getting ready for this. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, season tickets already sold out. Now it's cool to see these individual game tickets sold out. Um, and uh, look, the opportunity to welcome some teams to the bounce house for the first time. It'll be cool. It's one of those moments we'll all say who was there for the first conference home game against Baylor. Um, and so it's, it's cool to be a part of that. Homecoming, always fun, obviously, Spirit Splash. So um, let's let's sell out the other ones and, uh, and make sure that we pack the bounce house and let our new friends who are coming over from the West and I guess the East 
uh, get to learn a little bit more about why we call it the bounce house. Leo, what do you think? Two games sold out. Will they sell out officially the other four? Um, I sure hope so. I, I would like to see the other four sell, uh, sell out just because, you know, the UCF fans have been asking for this for so long and the wait's finally over. Uh, I think it's it's time to get some power five atmosphere into the into the bounce house. Ah, uh, power five atmosphere. Oh, easy, Leo. So, so I, I, uh, I think power five energy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get it. I get it. It's it's been sometimes where you know the bounce house. Um, it's only certain select games that you know the American fills up, but um, I I think they will. I think they that the the opponents, you know, Oklahoma State uh, coming to town. You know, I think they'll 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 travel so. Um, I'm hoping to, to see those sell out as well. Yeah, again, July 1st, officially UCF in the Big 12. Michael, emptiness four. Are you ready for Burger U Party this weekend? Of course, the Big 12 block party. Brits Bunch, Kingdom NIL, and the Sons of UCF sponsoring that 12 to 6 at Burger U. You guys are both going to be there. Sure will. Couldn't, wouldn't miss it, Trace. It's be a lot of fun. I don't know what to expect, but let's just go hang out, have a couple of drinks, you know, enjoy, uh, enjoy the day, spend time with fellow night fans. Twelve to six. If you can make it out, make it out for a little bit. Um, we'd love to see some people. Uh, Kingdom NIL involved. Maybe some players stopping by. We're still working out some of the kinks on that, but again, come hang out, celebrate, have a cold one with your fellow night nation, and uh, and let's all have some fun on July first. Kingdom talking about having some auction items as well, I saw in their post on social media this yes. week. So that's something to look uh, well, forward to. Well, well. Uh, we'll talk about that again a little bit more in the show this Saturday at Burger U on the campus. As I was on, uh, you talked about doing shows. I was on the 1012 uh, show where they welcomed in BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, uh, each of the schools represented by a podcast host or a show host. And I talked about how UCF football started in just 1979. We're just in the 44th year covering this team since 1999 is Brandon Helwig, publisher at the rival site, UCFsports.com. We welcome him back to Sons of UCF Live. Brandon, hello. I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me again, guys. Just uh, getting ready for, uh, I guess, midnight, July 1st, of when it all becomes official. Is this a black tie affair over at the Helwig uh, mansion? Not really. No, I um, <laughs> black tie would be the furthest thing that I would wear. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to... Uh, spruce up my backdrop a little bit i changed the angle of the camera i, I printed up the uh, ryan o'keefe picture if you see that in the background so uh that's finally up there you go covering the team since 1999 take us back then where was ucf at that point what, what was the coach what was the conference uh when you first started covering the team well when i first kind of jumped right into ucf obviously that was the early days of uh, being a division one, a independent and, you know, just like it has been the last few years, probably the biggest topic that, you know, created fan fervor on message boards has been conference realignment back then. It was, you know, uh, UCF administration would talk about, you know, joining the big East. That was what you heard about in the late nineties. And, you know, maybe UCF people kind of thought maybe they were too good for conference USA. And, and then there was, you know, the Sun Belt was trying to get formed and UCF kind of felt they were too good for that league and uh, eventually had to join the Mac. Um, I guess that was <laughs> the Mac. late, late 2001. And uh, did you go on those road trips? No, actually that's one thing. I was pretty young back then, really couldn't afford it. They were too far. You couldn't drive it. I used to drive to those games like, you know, Georgia and Auburn and Alabama and Florida. I went to all those games. You didn't uh, wander around Michigan. The no, I wasn't going to drive to Indiana schools. to ball state or Western <laughs> Michigan or you know, wherever the heck UCF was playing. But uh 
Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a long time coming when you just kind of look at at the journey and and the different uh, you know iterate you know between you know the Mac to conference USA, even those early days in the Transamerica Athletic Conference that oh now you're pulling you know, out the names it, yeah I yeah. mean it's just it's just it's just crazy just to, to see how how far uh, everything has, has come in these you know twenty plus years. Well, Brandon, obviously our last official weekend in the American. If you can give me one or two memories, one or two things that you're going to miss most about UCF being in the American, what are they? Ah, the things I'm going to miss the most. Um, yeah, I, I know one of them. I'll, I'll save that second. Uh, you know, it was. I, I have fond. I will have fond memories of the time in the American. Um, you know, I, I think everyone. You know, when the invitation was, there, everyone was was kind of you know hoping it would be considered you know a quote unquote BCS conference because they had the automatic qualifier bid, and you know that's kind of when the you know verbiage changed between you know Power Five and BCS, and they weren't going to have the automatic qualifier anymore. But I, I know I was excited about joining the league. Um, you know, some of the playing, you know, some of the teams were obviously the carryovers from Conference USA that came to, to the American, you know, with UCF, but it was fun going to some new places, you know, even you, even UConn for a few years was kind of different, um, you know, Temple, um, you know, but I guess I'll say, you know, I'll say this, what I'll miss the most, I guess, is probably the rival, the war on I-4. I mean, I guess you got to kind of include that in that, in that question is just the games against South Florida, you know, the ease of travel, the rivalry, um, you know, obviously there's been a lot of that since the Tampa Bay Times story came out the other day, but I will, if you, if you kind of kind of lump USF in with the American, I will miss that aspect. Brandon, covering the team for so long, you know, us media guys, no, nobody will know this more than you. Uh, kind of seeing the media presence and the, and the media coverage of UCF since you started, uh, how much has it grown? How much have you seen it grown from conference to conference? And now jumping and making that leap into the Big 12, do you think we're going to have that media presence? Let's say, you know, uh, SEC powerhouse has, you know, can we work our way up to, to having that uh, media coverage? What, what do you think about that? But when I just kind of look at the evolution of UCF through the years, you know, media coverage, you know, how much the fan base is engaged, how much they care. Cause you know, I, you know, and there's still a lot, there's still a long way to go. I mean, UCF hasn't arrived just cause they're going to have the big 12 label uh, on July one, but just kind of looking at some of those early days of, you know, how I, one thing I always remember, and this was when, when the first UCF games I, I ever, uh, well, I, my first UCF game I ever went to was beginning of 1996, but I remember the home opener of 1997, which was right after uh, UCF had gone on the road. They went to Ole Miss, South Carolina and, and Nebraska. And if anyone kind of knows anything about the general history of that season, you know, UCF led at halftime at Nebraska, which is just something you didn't do back then. I was in Nebraska was a true powerhouse. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of buzz, national publicity. They were calling UCF the best 0-3 team in, in the nation. And uh, UCF's home opener was in the fourth week of the season against Idaho. I mean, I don't know how the heck they scheduled that, but Idaho was coming to the <laughs> Citrus Bowl. And the whole, the whole community... This is really the first time I saw it. The whole community, <clears throat> Orlando, Central Florida alumni, I mean, they really showed out in full force. At the time, it was an attendance record. I think it was like 41,000. Um, you know, they didn't have enough ticket windows. People were lined up. And this game had already started. People couldn't couldn't get in it. That was kind of before you buy your tickets on the internet, I guess. But, uh, you know, that kind of showed me, and I didn't have a lot of perspective at that time, but that kind of showed me, of, of what this program could be when 
you know, the, the alumni, the community, Central Florida got behind it. And we had examples of that, you know, in the years that follow. But I was young when I, I you know, I got goosebumps just looking around the Citrus Bowl and, and seeing how much everyone was supporting really a, a team that really hadn't accomplished anything at the at the F, FBS level at that point. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing to me to see how the program has grown through the years. We've all watched it grow into this position, but is there a moment you can think of where your confidence was shaken a little bit that a moment like this might be a long way off? Yeah, I don't think my answer is going to be uh, much different than a lot of people who have been around. I think it was probably 2007, um, the early, well, at least the early part of 2007. Um, you know, UCF wasn't, you know, that far removed from, you know, the losing streak, the long, you know, the 04 uh, winless streak and kind of carried into the next year. I know they had had some success, you know, won the conference, the USA East division in 2005, but you know, 2006 was another down year and going into 2007, you know, even though, you know, UCF had stadium and everything else, you know, you were excited about that. But when you saw South Florida, when you saw, you know, what, you know, the 64 to 12 and, and how they just annihilated UCF and, um, you know, just seeing where they were that the biggies that's, you know, UCF people felt South Florida, you know, kind of maybe took that spot that that was a, you know, UCF should have been in, in the, in the biggies, but, you know, USF had the more well-rounded athletic program, better basketball program, uh, bigger overall athletic budget. So, I mean, there was reasons that decision was made, but just, it just felt, you know, like, you know, I don't know. It was, if anyone, I think it's a lot of people have posted that this week. If you would have told, Fans in that stadium that day, Raymond James, after kind of witnessing that ass beating, <laughs> one way to put it that, you know, just 15 years later, UCF would be in the position they are and you would see where USF is. I mean, a lot of people probably wouldn't have believed it. That's why it's in a lot of ways with the rivalry. It's so satisfying, I think, for a lot of people to kind of see what happens, especially when you look at all the other steps South Florida took throughout the years that followed it kind of you know, put down UCF and to kind of hold them back uh, every, every possible which way they could. Brandon, from a fan standpoint, what do you think will be the biggest adjustment to UCF being in the big 12? Fan wise. Uh, I mean, well, I can, I can say it right now. The, the games are not easy to get to, uh, you know, I, I guess you wouldn't say they, they weren't necessarily easy to get to in the American either. I mean, unless it was USF, I mean, you're pretty much jumping on a, on an airplane, but booking some of these trips, it's a little bit, you know, creative. You've got a, you know, if you're going to Lubbock, Texas, you gotta, you know, figure out what connection or, you know, Manhattan, Kansas, you gotta drive to Kansas city. And I mean, uh, fly to Kansas city and drive to Manhattan for two hours. So, I mean, there's some logistical things, but you know, that's just, it's just, that's just the way it is. That's kind of, you know, what fans like it used to, used to, but you know, I think it'll be, it'll be a blast. I think, uh, I think the games will be, you know, a lot, you know, at least even the games in the bounce house, you're going to have a, a lot of big 12 fans visiting Orlando and it'll make, you know, that'll just enhance the atmosphere that much more. I mean, obviously I'm no doubt, you know, UCF fans are going to pack the bounce house, but you'll see, you know, instead of maybe 100 traveling fans, mostly player parents, you're going to see a lot more visiting fans, and that'll just kind of enhance the atmosphere for these games. Brandon, continue to talk about growth a little bit. Uh, kind of give us your stance a little bit on what you think of the of the tourist tax dollars, and, and you know, kind of going to UCF if if you know if they do, and uh, just funding in general going forward because we know that that's going to be really the driving force behind getting recruits behind 
getting the top facilities and and where do you kind of see UCF in the next 10 years in, into the Big 12, you know, um, overall in, in recruiting and facilities? Yeah, I mean, when you look at, at the, the tourist development tax, which obviously the UCF just gave a presentation a couple of weeks ago. Um, I mean, if, if you look at, at, at the law and how it's written and how the money can be spent, I mean, obviously, it, you know, they spend it to drive tourism. I mean, Orange County Commission Center obviously is going to get the lion's share of whatever the money is. But if you look at what's actually going to bring in people, I mean, you, you know, there's going to be a lot of, like I just said, there's going to be a lot of traveling Big 12 fan bases that are, you know, coming to Orlando. They're going to be booking their, you know, week-long vacations. They're going to be going to Disney World. They're going to be, you know, playing golf or, or whatever. And, uh, I mean, you know, UCF to me is just as deserving as, you know, some of these other, you know, groups that, you know, made presentations. I, you know, does the Citrus Bowl really need a roof? I mean, I, unless they're going to host the national championship. I mean, I don't know. Like what, like that's like insane to me. How much is that going to cost? I mean, you know, if you're going to host a national championship game in college football, that's in January. I mean, it's going to be cooler weather and the game kicks off at eight o'clock anyway. Like what do you need a roof for? I don't know. But when you look at, at how the money can be used, I mean, I think UCF is deserving as anyway. I mean, it would be a huge boon obviously to what UCF needs to do because that's the one thing where, you know, UCF hasn't been making power five revenue di distribution these last 10 or 15 years. So facilities are lagging behind. And now there's there's so many more demands. If you want to be competitive, you you're telling your, you know, your donors, oh, you know, now we need you to, you know, donate to our collective so we can have the best roster. So there's a lot of obligations that UCF has. So if they could get even just a little bit of, of the ask, um, from the tourist the development text, I mean, obviously that would be huge for, you know, UCF. So many big moments along the way that we talk so much about. What's an underrated moment or two for you? I mean, we know about Black Friday against the, the, the cows and the peach bowl, but what's what's a moment that we just don't talk about as much, but was big along the way? Uh, you know, obviously, you know, the Fiesta Bowl, the, the, the first Fiesta Bowl, just kind of seeing, you know, what UCF could be as a football program, not really, you know, wondering if, if that would ever happen. I mean, there was, you know, Georgia Leary, obviously, I mean, has a statue outside the stadium. I mean, there was a lot of questions along that journey. Is, is he the coach? I mean, obviously, he was building UCF what he thought was the right way, but there was the yo-yo seasons, the up and down years, and you kind of wondered, you know, maybe is this the coach that does he – does he connect with the players the way a coach should? Is is this is this really the right path? And and you know what he was able to do, you know, in that time frame, you know, obviously, you know, proved that that he was the the perfect coach for for what UCF needed at that time. And just going to the Fiesta Bowl, seeing what UCF was able to do against, you know, obviously a team that's going to be a Big Twelve rival now, Baylor. Um, that was the first time I think I felt UCF was big time and kind of had the potential. I mean, you always kind of felt it, but that was the first time you really saw it. And, you know, that, that kind of cemented in, in, in my belief that, you know, UCF was worthy of being, you know, considered, you know, a power five. So at least, you know, a peer of many of these. I think O'Leary would use the term check cashers for a lot of these power <laughs> fights. But UCF was really no no different, you know, fan base wise, talent wise on the field. Obviously, they had to grow to get to that point. But that was probably the biggest moment when you look at the last, you know, 20 plus years. Obviously, you know, they, you know, the second season of Frost and perfect season 2017. Sure, that one was great, too. But I think the first time, you know, they did it by winning a, a BCS Bowl was kind of the biggest kind of landmark thing for me. 
You know, Coach O'Leary's statue on campus says coach. When you get your statue, what's your one word that goes <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm getting a statue. I don't, I don't know. But I'm, I'm looking at hey, it. Don't estimate the people in the dungeon raising money to do that. <laughs> so what's, what's the word that's going to go below your name? I, I have no idea. Brandon, I don't know. But I, there was a, a good point right here. Someone mentioned that Liberty Bowl win against Georgia. Yeah, that, that's kind of like, for me, that would be an honorable mention because um, that was a big one, too. The, you know, SEC opponent, you know, winning that first bowl game, you know, that that was a big moment, too. <laughs> big dad. Brandon, you, uh, you've obviously been covering the team a long time. you got a lot of memorabilia in the shot we see, but I know you also uh, always try to find some unique stuff. Do you have a favorite piece of UCF memorabilia that you cherish or that you think is kind of unique that no, maybe no one else has? Uh, Let's rifle through your, you know, your, your um, office there. Yeah, yeah. I might, <laughs> have to tour, like, Brandon. might have to, like, reach over. I might have to. That's uh, happened before on this show. That's fine. Now, don't <laughs> worry. Go out of frame. That's fine. That's fine. If, if Robert, you're watching, uh, you know, Brandon's on. There's charitable dollars he's wandering around this is why you tune in folks eight yeah, to nine I thursdays i mean i i have i have some other stuff just it would be in the other room but i had something at arm's length um well this was an interesting item right here this is a um i get this on ebay a few oh, years ago it's a snapback nice. wow it uh division one double a playoffs yeah wow. yeah so you know and these these that's it gold right years. that was a gold uh, hat that yeah. one you had, it was gold. Yeah, that one was a gold, and the colors might not be displaying right. No, actually, They're a little it's yellow, more like bright yellow. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got other stuff. I don't know. I was looking for, you know, there's a few people that you know. I know Sean, you see problems, and and Neil, Serena, and a few of those other guys. I mean, they're kind of big on eBay too. I I'll always, you know, try to you know pounce on something if I see something unique. But you know, yeah, I enjoy uh, collecting UCF memorabilia. All right, I got to ask this question just because, you know, it's, I think it's just kind of cliche, but, you know, going into the Big 12, uh, new cities, this means you're going to go to some away games. And, and I know you have probably a city that you, you've marked that you want to go visit and try out the cuisine or something. What's, what's that one city, you know, that you're Leo, like, it's Lubbock. Come on. It's not Lubbock. It can't be. <laughs> Come on. Come on. But no, there's, there's definitely other Big 12 cities that could, you know, uh, captivate, captivate your name. And, yeah. And, I, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of curious. I don't know. I mean, I've been to Manhattan, Kansas. You see, I played there in 2010. If anyone's ever seen that, that photo of like the, you know, storm of doom or whatever that looked like. <laughs> that, that was a little bit, you know, I mean, I know they have tornadoes in the area all the time. You're kind of like wondering, like, is this, are we about to get hit by a tornado or like, this is, this is not, this is kind of scary. Um, so I've been there before. Um, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not that familiar with, you know, like I've been to Tulsa. So I mean, <laughs> you got to check out Tulsa, so I'm going when you're to Oklahoma. Back. I mean, you know, there's you Norman worse than that, right? eventually go to Stillwater. So I don't know. I'll be, I'll be kind of curious to see, but as far as this year, yeah, I guess I've, you know, I've been, to, obviously been to Cincinnati a bunch of times. I've been to Manhattan, never been to Lawrence, never been to Lubbock, never been to Norman. So in, and obviously Oklahoma. Oklahoma is you know, kind of going to be short-lived in the conference only just one more year but I guess right. I, I'm excited for that one this year because you know I know that's going to be the number one you know road destination for UCF fans I think Southwest has a non-stop going to Oklahoma City which I'm sure is going to be packed with night fans but if you have the opportunity I don't know when UCF we get the opportunity to play Oklahoma like that just because they're going to the SEC I'm really looking forward to that one and I guess I guess Lubbock that's an interesting I heard a lot about it you know heard Prairie Dogtown <laughs> You know, the 
the smells and some other things too. Like, there, and there's something outside of town that if this if the winds a certain direction, I don't. We'll see. I, I'm just curious because what will be fun about these places, and like I've said this before, is that when you go on road trips in the American and you like you check into a hotel and you're making small talk and like a lot of times they have no idea like why you'd even be in that city, like. You know, you go to, you know, Philly somewhere. Oh, I'm here for the for the football game. Temple, UCF. Oh, okay. You know, it's just one of those things that, you know, that the, the, at least when you go to these big 12 venues, the whole city is in game. I mean, these right. are football towns. Like, you know, if you're coming in from Florida, they're going to know and they check your ID to check you in that you're here here for the football game. That'll be that'll be fun. Just kind of, you know, immersing, immersing yourself in that atmosphere. All right, let's uh, move to the present. 2023 nights of what you know coming through spring and, and the transfer portal. What's, what's your thoughts? Are you cautiously optimistic that, that UCF can move into this Big 12 and it turn out to be a positive first season? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think I've said this for a while. I think a, a reasonable, realistic initial goal would just be bowl eligibility. Um, I think everyone has aspirations higher than that. Um, it, it's really hard. It's hard to to know how UCF will make the transition. You got to play the nine conference games. There's a lot of challenging road trips. You know the week in, the week out grind. These Big Twelve games, a lot of them end up being close games. Um, there's no, I mean, there's no, I mean, there's no off weeks. I mean, we can, we got to say that before. You know that there 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 are some games that you know maybe in the past where UCF could kind of just show up and win. I, that's not going to happen. Uh, in in the Big Twelve, um, but you know what? I mean, it's just one of those things that I, I in some ways the schedule is is favorable to a degree. Um, you don't get Texas, you don't get Kansas. I mean, sorry, you don't get a TCU and Texas, which is probably two out of the three teams if you look at it. A lot of people feel in in, in the Big Twelve, and um, I'm telling you, if John Rice Plumley, if if Darren Henshaw can work his magic and, and talking about footwork and all this stuff, pocket presence, and he can improve that passing element, we know his running ability is is off the charts. If he can, he can take that step up, and that's the one thing that some people kind of you know maybe forget sometimes. I know some people obviously were critical of him last year, but. Last year was really his first full oh, year as a full-time starting quarterback. Gus now. Uh-huh. All right, his first full year. I know he was a little bit older, but he was just playing wide receiver the year before that. If he's he a guy, if if he can if he can put it all together and and, and you know Hinch, like I said, Hinch will work his magic. I don't know. I mean, talking about dark horse. I mean, what do you think a dark oh. horse for the Big Twelve championship? I mean, crazier things have happened, right? I mean, no one thought TCU was going to the playoff. On this bowl eligibility question, do you find Boise State to be a must-win to get a three and zero start in non-conference play? I, I yeah, you got yeah, you got to win that game. I mean, you, you you got to. I mean, if you yeah, I, I guess you know, is it a must-win? I mean, could they do? Can they lose the game and still? Yeah, I guess they could. But I think just for you know, for showing for early part of the year, you you got. I mean, that's going to be a Big Twelve type trip. I mean, you're traveling a long way you know, long plane ride and everything else, you know, you, you got to win that game. So maybe. Brandon, obviously a lot of positive momentum around UCF recruiting. I know a, a, a big month coming up here. How do you anticipate the recruiting trend to continue to go for UCF? Are, your, are things looking positive based on what you're hearing? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the one thing that, you know, I always thought, I always knew Gus was going to come in and recruit, you know, better than any other coach in UCF history, just because that's kind of has been his MO as a coach, excellent recruiter. He's a former high school teacher. He knows how these kids kind of, you know, react and kind of can, can connect with the kids and stuff. But that that's the thing that I think is, 
is sort of, you know, to the college football community, the maybe the recruiting media community and everything else that I think what they've been able to do and getting some of these visitors and stuff, I think over the last month has kind of told everyone that UCF is going to be a major player in, in re- recruiting. And uh, I think we're going to start to see that in terms of players committing to UCF uh, here in the next few weeks. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens, um, but it does seem like UCF is trending positively for, you know, a few of these four-star prospects that will be announcing um, in the next few days. You know, some of them are from Georgia. Walt Claire Flynn is an offensive lineman. He's going to announce July 1. Um, Kylan Fox, a tight end, I believe is July 4th. Um, and there's some other players in there that should be announcing. It seems like UCF is the team to beat. And uh, I know that'll definitely turn some heads. But that's the thing. It's um, There's definitely a big four. I mean, don't get me started. I think there's a, there's a big four period. But big there is going to be a big four in recruiting as well. Brandon, let's, you know, shift gears a little bit to baseball and basketball because, you know, those kind of are two forgotten sports. But I think, you know, being optimistic about those two sports with the new hirings, with with the baseball coach and uh, moving forward with Taylor Hendricks being drafted, what do you think our program stands in those two sports? And um, how do you see us faring in, in, in the next conference? Well, I, I love the baseball hire. I think I think UCF got it right. Um you know, when I thought it was maybe going to be Joe Girardi, I, I was, you know, maybe coming around to it, but didn't really fully buy it in terms of the fit and, and him understanding what it takes to win at the college level. But that doesn't matter. He's not coming. Rich Wallace is a UCF guy, highly regarded as, you know, one of the best recruiters. And that's kind of been the deficiency, in my opinion, of UCF baseball. It's rec- it's recruiting. It's it's having enough arms. It, it's It's, you know. That just for whatever reason, you know, love late. You know, I don't know whether it was over reliance on out of state players or you know recruiting Ohio too much when he should have been recruiting the state of Florida. I don't know, but whatever it was, UCF just didn't have enough players. There was under some injuries a lot of those years, but I love the hire. Um, you know, obviously it, it hurts to lose a few of the guys to the transfer portal, um, which they did, um, and the couple key players. But you know, I don't know if it'll be next year, the year after, but I have no doubt UCF will be an NCAA regional team in short order. Basketball, I mean, I know you got another guest coming up, so <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, feel free yeah, to talk about basketball. I mean, it just the, the state of ba- I mean, the state of basketball. You know, I like Johnny Dawkins, but it's just and then this this is honestly like, you can paint this with a broad brush with a lot of programs with transferring and the portal just in general is just it's it's tough because you know the rosters and it's not just UCF like there's a lot of schools like this like the roster changes every year you don't you can't get comfortable with players you're not going to see um you know guys like bj taylor and taco fall and chad brown develop through the years it's like every year it's like wake me up and like who's on the team when the season starts and you know it's it's tough like for me for me personally you know you know i knew all the transfers coming in and you hope they work out but you know i'm looking at got these these high school signees i'm like yeah I, I like these guys you know they wanted to come to ucf they signed with ucf out of high school i'm really interested and curious and excited to see how they look this upcoming year and how they're going to develop and then now two, two, two out of the three guys are like, I'm out of here. You know, before the season starts, they already signed. Yeah. I mean, one of them, you know, who knows what happened there. I know his father was having some issues, and now he's going to Kentucky. And the other guy's like, I, I need some money, and I got to go get paid, you know, NIL, and UCF wasn't paying me or whatever, so I got to shop my services and get out of my letter. And t- I mean, it's just insane. Um, something's something's got to give with all that stuff because it's just, it's just tough. And I, I feel bad for Johnny because I kind of – you know, you're going into the you know best conference in college basketball, and you've got to you know worry about a rush now. But I guess just it's just the the new I guess new age of college basketball. Yeah. You know, 
Let's end with this one. What's the strangest post-game or media setup that you experienced over these 20-plus years covering UCF? I know you and I and Jason Beatty were in a closet, basically, at FAU. Uh, that was a tiny space. What's the strangest uh, experience you had covering a well, post-game? There's a lot of them. And actually, a lot of them were this past year. Um, I think, Tracy, you were at most <laughs> you, you mentioned the, the closet at FAU, I think, was like a storage for a concession stand. <laughs> Um, at East Carolina, East Carolina doesn't have a room. So they used like a training room where they like tape up players. That's where all the tape that they had ripped off the players was all on the ground. Right. (laughs) And like the trainers were coming in trying to retrieve their stuff when we're talking to Gus. And, um, that was a strange one. Uh, the first two lane game, it was in the batting cages of the baseball stadium. Oh, and it was cold too. Right. Yeah. That was, that was an interesting one. And, uh, Tulsa. Tulsa was an interesting one. You kind of went down into the locker room and and you could kind of see what was going on. Like there was kind of, you went down, it was like a basement underneath the stadium and the UCF locker rooms on one side and the media room is on the other. And of course, if UCF goes to Tulsa, that's an automatic L. Okay. Everyone knows that. And so we're over here and you're hearing players cussing and throwing stuff and, and the door is kind of closed, but there you're close enough to the locker room where you can kind of hear the emotions. Like, this is like, that's not good. But yeah, I think Gus Malzahn, I mean, that's I mean, it doesn't matter to me, but I think Gus Malzahn was kind of like a rude awakening for him a couple of times because he's coming from the SEC. <laughs> like this, this is not the SEC, Gus. <laughs> no, no. Well, Brandon, we appreciate you spending time with us. Now, on this very program last week, Ithiel Horton was a part of it, and then, you know, he's gone. So we hope you will remain. <laughs> I, I'm okay. A, a part I, of the I'm, I'm locked in with UCF. Okay. I'm not going anywhere. All right. Brandon Hellwood, publisher at UCSports.com, part of Rivals. Thanks for being with us on Sons of UCF Live. Enjoy it, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Brandon. Ah, memories. Memories. We were in some tiny spaces. That first time Gus walks in and he looks around, and he's like, where am I? He's basically in the training room. Tape all over the place. Ugh. Mess. Mess. Uh, one other football note, uh, uh, Big 12. Good to hear that, by the way. And I should have asked Brandon how long it's going to take him to unsubscribe to everything and stop following every AAC thing. But the Big 12 Media Days announcement, uh, repping for the Knights, John Rice Plumley, Javon Baker, Ricky Barber, Josh Selassar, does that pinpoint maybe Adam that these are team captains perhaps? Yeah, this would probably trend in that direction, right? I mean, obviously these are guys Gus trusts to talk to the media. So you're probably looking at the team leaders right there. There we go. There we go. Talk about champions all across UCF. Got one joining us right now. UCF surf team national longboard champion. He is Jonathan Wallhauser and he hops on with the sons of UCF live. A little shine to the surf club. Jonathan, welcome in. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well, doing, doing well. Great. Talk to us about the surf team. Kind of, uh, you know, underrated at UCF, but a, but a powerhouse. Yeah, no doubt. So I think we're kind of slept on as a team. Um, so, man, over the years, we've had some pretty good results. Florida's kind of a powerhouse as far as the East Coast goes. And uh, yeah, we finished the whole year, I think like second place overall as a team. So killer year um unf plays first they're kind of like the alabama of uh surf teams over here on the east coast <laughs> is that so your they, phrase they or took... that's widely known in the surf community oh, that's, is there that the alabama <laughs> or at least from uh, the schools that have football teams that one's uh that one's pretty well known but uh yeah we killed it this year and uh yeah we got lucky took home uh i took home a east coast championship and a national championship in Longworth. so uh that was fine. You know? Define for us longboard. What what are the dimensions right. of some okay. longboard? Right. Okay. So 
per NSSA, which is like kind of the NCAA of surfing, it is a board over nine foot long. So I was riding the nine six, which is a big old piece of foam. But uh, yeah, I do shortboard as well. Shortboard is, I think they define it as anything under two feet, like two feet over your height. It has to be under that level. So uh, yeah, yeah. And then we have our lady shortboarders as well. So yeah, we got a good stack. Same dimension on the boards for both men and women? Yep, yep. And then the longboard is men or women. Jonathan, how'd you get involved in surfing? And when was the point where you maybe took it from like hobby to being like, hey, I'm going to make this something that's competitive? Yeah, so uh probably started surfing when I was like three or four years old. I grew up in Satellite Beach. So for anyone from the Space Coast, they know where that is, just south of uh, Cocoa Beach there. And uh, I think it was about, I was probably 10 or 11. And like some of the older kids at uh, the school were doing surf contests. And I was like, oh. Like, I want to do that. You know, that looks cool. Like, I want that to be my sport. So I kind of took it and ran with it. And uh, I've just been doing it ever since. And, um, yeah, it's been great. It's been a blessing. It's been awesome. Jonathan, so as far as culture goes here in Florida, um, when I think of surfing, you know, you know, typically you think of Hawaii, you know, California, maybe oh, yeah. some Central American countries in, in the Caribbean, but um, Florida, I've never really noticed, you know, it being a, a surfing capital. Um, can you kind of like give us a little background on, on, you know, what surfing is like here in Florida and what your favorite spot is to go surf? Yes. Yeah, so to put it short, it's, it's tough. It's rough. Um, the Atlantic does not get nearly as much waves, especially the Southeast as uh, somewhere like Hawaii or, uh, California or even like the Northeast. But, um, yeah, you know, we make it happen. You know, this time of year is when things start ramping up because we start getting those uh, hurricane swells and, you know, we'll get a, we'll get a couple smi- good. He smiles <laughs> as he gives the forecast. Yeah, yeah. Here. That could yeah. be a problem. That so, could be a problem. Most people, you know, they hear hurricane, they go like, ooh, I don't know. But anyone who lives around here, they hear hurricane, they're like, okay, we might have some surf for once. Nice. But uh, as far as a favorite place goes, probably, like locally, probably New Smyrna. as the inlet there. You got to dodge some uh, some sharks, but you know it's worth <laughs> it. You, you get a couple waves, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we're definitely um, like I think a good comparison would be like California is like the Power Five type of thing, and um, okay. Florida is like FCS, you know. But uh, yeah, we make it happen. There's definitely some uh, some sleeper surfers out here, especially at a uh, UNF, and you know, of course, Kelly Slater grew up in Cocoa Beach, so he's a Space Coast guy. And he's the best to uh, to have ever done it. So you know, results don't lie. You know, right? What's the uh, diciest weather that you have uh, have taken the board out into? Oh man, I I don't think there's um, a level of weather that I haven't. You know, there's uh, growing up right next to the beach. I grew up about two blocks away from the beach. Like any any type of weather. You know, I don't I don't mess with the lightning. That's the one place I draw the line. But uh, any anything else? Sharks don't be, bother. Sharks, yeah. Lightning. <laughs> No, see, that's, you know, you'd be surprised. (laughs) Have you seen sharks? You've seen them? You touched them? Yeah, I actually, I I got bit by a shark when I was 13 at um, the NSSA (laughs) East Coast Championships at New Smyrna, which is crazy. But um, yeah, you know, it it wasn't anything too bad. It was just like some stitches back in the water two weeks later. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, lightning, no, no, no thanks. But yeah, I've been out in in some hurricane swells with, uh, with pops back in the day and you know, we, we always have fun with it. It kind of just adds to the adventure when, you know, everything's breaking loose all at once. 
Jonathan, tell us more about your teammates and about about sort of the, the surf team and, and the folks you get a chance to, to work and train with every day. Yeah, so, man, UCF is like, it's it's a weird blend because Orlando, you know, you don't really think surfing so much. You know, we're, I think the closest beach is like an hour away. But, um, yeah, I made all of my best friends and closest, you know, people through this team, through the club. And, uh, yeah, every one of them comes from, like, a different background of life. And it's it's cool to see, like, some academic uh, surfers compared to the usual, you know, kind of stereotypical burnout, like, washed out people. So, like, yeah. Having, like, Are there any of those? And, um, yeah, on our team. No, we're pretty, we're pretty uh, tight-knit. You know, we know, we know how to have some fun for sure. But, uh you know, we, I'd say we're, you know, it's that perfect blend between uh, discipline and, you know, you know, hanging loose and having a good time. Jonathan, what would your pitch be to, you know, people that are interested or students that are interested in, in joining the surf club or have no experience, but they've yeah. always wanted to do it. And like, how would you kind of get people interested in, in starting the surf and, and learning how to, how to yeah, surf? especially on the, uh, on the club side of things, I would say, uh, 70% of the people that join don't know how to surf at all. You know, they're just really the beach. Wow. Yeah. You'd be surprised, but, um, we're the largest non-Greek club on campus and, uh, you know, everyone just comes out and has a great time. And I think it's one of the best ways to meet people and make genuine connections with students that, you know, all like the sun going to the beach. And we have uh, a handful of beginner surfboards that we bring down to all the club events. And there's always someone who's willing to give you a hand, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was, it was a very special club to be a part of for four years. It's uh, it was pretty cool. What's a beginner surfboard? Is it like a raft? Yeah. So <laughs> think of uh, a longboard, but shrink it down about a foot, and then no fiberglass. It's all just like covered in foam. So if that thing comes up and whacks you in the head, you're not uh, you know bleeding. So it's a big, big foam, soft board, and you know some of the veteran guys can take you out and push you into a few and you know, get to see your first, you know, wave standing up. That's always a special moment. What do people not understand about club sports in terms of finances? Uh, you guys have to fundraise to be able to do, to do things. Yeah. So fundraising is like a huge part of, uh, of the whole scene, especially for the team side of things. Cause you can imagine taking 10 people out to California is not a, a, a small endeavor, but we're, we're blessed. We're very lucky to have uh, Ron John sponsoring us as a, as a team. So we're actually the highest fundraised team slash club on campus, which is uh, pretty incredible. Thank you, Ron John's. We always say huge shout out to Ron John's without them. None of this would be possible, but uh, as far as fundraising goes, yeah, it's, it's uh, it's an everyday thing. You know, you got to think of ways to like put on like a little contest or community event, you know, try to get a couple extra bucks here, a couple extra bucks there. And then of course the sport club council, like we have to meet certain requirements and make sure we're checking all their boxes or else, you know, they start breathing down our necks. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of dimensions to it and keeping, you know, to keep everything running is not, an easy task, but it's, it's worth every single second of effort for, uh, you know, what it comes down to at the end of the day, which is, you know, making some of the best friends that I could have ever asked for and getting to compete and travel and do all that cool stuff in college, you know, and then more than anything, this is where we edge out UNF. We have a football team. Um, that was actually, <laughs> I was looking at UNF when I was in high school. I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll go there. Cause like everyone knows UNF surf team that surfs and like wants to, you know, go to college. So I was looking at it and then I was looking at UCF and I had some, some uh, 
of buddies on the team at the time. And it really, a lot of it came down to obviously the school. UCF uh, has a great engineering program, which is what I was trying to go into. And uh, more than anything, they had football and it was on campus, unlike some of the schools out West. But um, mm. yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was really the perfect blend for everything and we get fundraising and everything else. So yeah, it was really just like all the stars aligned and it was awesome. Jonathan, a lot of people are asking, is that the trophy one behind you? Is that the, uh, what you won recently? Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, sorry. That's not even placed there on purpose. I'm actually packing up. I'm moving. That's, um, oh, yeah, that one is, uh, the East coast championship. You, you uh, should show it place. to us. Longboard. Yeah, here. Yeah. Bring it, bring it over. All right. So this one was in April. There it is. I don't know if you can probably well, focus. Yeah, there it goes. East yeah, coast champ. Go. So that was, that was killer. That was a great moment. We had the uh, the whole crew out there, and that's fun because that's right at New Smyrna. So, you know, we get all the club guys out there. We had a cowbell. We were being all obnoxious. It was fun. And then this one. Now he's showing us around. He's got more. Oh, here we go. Oh, he I is. was not expecting the, uh, a traditional-looking yeah. trophy. I thought that it looked like a surfboard <laughs> or something like that. Yes, yeah, so, you know, they give you the little accent up here. You got the guy ah, okay. going at it. <laughs> nice. And then they got that's this nice. dude down here who's jacked so that's cool nice but yeah that one was uh, out there at salt creek in california so that was uh that was yeah oh man what a uh, surreal moment that was jonathan forgive the ignorant question here but what's what's next for you surf wise i mean it's something where after your time at ucf do you go professional how do you so how, what do you do after after your time at ucf oh it's a great question you know it's most people don't even, I, don't, I barely even know what the next step would be, but um, yeah, it's tough to make it in the surf industry. Um, it's, it's not like a super, you know, it's not like baseball or football where there's a ton of money being poured into it. It actually kind of struggles at times, but um, yeah, I'm going to continue to do some like longboard, like pro-am contests, which are like amateur contests where you can make a little money. But um, yeah, next year when the qualifying series for the world tour comes up, I'm going to try to do a couple of those events because uh, I'm pretty remote with the job I got. So I can kind of, you know, flex, pull some strings, flex some time around. So, you know, dream scenario, I do well at a couple of those. And then uh, if you do well at the qualifying series, you can take the next step up into the uh, world tour, which would be insane. But, you know, one step at a time, you know, next year I'll, I'll try to get into a few qualifying events and see how that goes. When would be the next uh, U.S. UCF uh, surfing event, and where could students go if they're you know out out at the beach? Where can we go watch you guys? Yeah, so uh, our as a team, so there's kind of like two levels. The club is like everyone, anyone can join. No experience necessary. You just got to kind of enjoy the beach. You know, I feel like that's a good baseline, and absolutely anyone can do that. Anyone who's enrolled in a class that is, and uh, that will be like the very first week facility so this week here in the fall. Okay. And we, we do a ton of, ta I should say they will, because I just graduated, but um, they'll do a ton of tabling events. There's like a few at the RWC, the big gym right up there. And then there's a couple in the student union, like that first, like two week time frame. there's just tons of like tabling events and UCF, the surf team and club will be out at all those. And uh, the best way to stay in contact with the club is through our Instagram. It's at surf UCF. So it's just UCF surf, just reverse can't miss it on there and uh yeah as far as the team goes which is we have three teams it's an a a b and a c kind of like tiered system um those will have trials for those usually around the second weekend sometimes the third weekend of the school school year 
And even if you're like, not sure if you'd like to compete and you're like, ah, maybe I just want to like be in the club and surf. That's totally cool. But we always encourage everyone to just do tryouts and have all the club guys come out because it's just, it's just a hoop to go to the beach. And, you know, that's like the, the best first, like melting pot, you know, everyone gets to know everyone event. And uh, yeah, it's, it's always so cool. You're going to be ready for football now tailgate oh my god yeah i'll tell you i cannot wait so i actually got season tickets on the there over there on the the other side where the smaller student section is i'll be like right up top there so super stoked on that you know i can't can't miss a game i've oh. never missed a game through college don't plan on missing one now um so yeah super stoked on that big 12 that's crazy um, good deal jonathan wallhauser tidbit Yes. Actually, yeah, sorry. Um, no, go the ahead. Best team in the Big 12 as far as surf teams go. You might be going, what other Big 12 surf team are there? <laughs> well, BYU actually has a surf team and BYU. We placed oh. ahead of them this year. So where are they? Placed surf? number 12 and they were 14th, I think. You know, that's a great question. I don't think <laughs> there's much surf out there in Salt Lake. So I don't know where they're going. But uh, yeah, they actually have some really good surfers. I don't know. Maybe surfers are into the whole like BYU thing. Who knew? Jonathan Walhauser, congratulations, National Longboard Champion, Nationals Classic Surfing Association Finals. Thanks for being with us on Suns UCI Live, and best of luck to you and your future plans. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Jonathan. All right. Rad. Stoked. What's your guys' experience with surfing? Um, Uh, Minimal. Minimal um, to not successful, I guess, would be how I Adam, you're near the beach now. Right, uh, minimal but not successful. I think seventy percent of people have never done. Oh, that's a high number. I didn't expect <laughs> it, that. It, yeah, it does. It didn't work out so well for me. So you know, I gave up. <laughs> Let's go around the kingdom and then open up the mailbag. Softball welcoming in Ava Justman Jr., left-hand pitcher from Wisconsin. Uh, you like how uh, Coach Bear with her bams or booms or whatever she's doing now? Uh, she's uh, putting out her own thing to, to announce uh, transfers. So uh, going to be hearing more from softball time for the mailbag. Who might it be? Hey, a guy I hear in Brian W. Peterson who might be coming on Saturday to the, uh, to the party. Can't confirm. It's back by popular demand. It's that time again, time to open the Brian W. Peterson sons of UCF mailbag. Uh, every time. <laughs> and we got a little video question to start things off. Of course we do. It's that time again. It's time for another question from Two Letters, Two Words from the Brian W. Peterson Memorial Sons of UCF Mailbag. Here's the question. When it comes to Gus Malzahn, is he more sizzle or more steak? Thanks. Good night. Charge on. <laughs> Memorial throws things off a little bit. Bad, yeah. Sizzle or steak, Adam? Coach Malzahn. I don't know what that means. I guess I'm going to go steak because I think that means he delivers, right? He's just not about the preparation. He's about the results. I think Gus has given you results, especially on the recruiting trail. So I'll go steak. I'm also hungry. I'm going to go sizzle on this. Ooh, I think, oh, my goodness. I think Gus, um, you know, it's – I think for what – for his time at UCF, 18-9 record, uh, probably should have been better. Uh kind of under-delivered a little bit. He does talk a lot in the media this past week. He's talking about a big four. Um, that's a lot of sizzle. Um, but we would like to see maybe some results where, you know, now it, it's going to be harder for him. But uh, I got to give it to him on the recruiting trip. But that's about it. Leo, 
He's the future of college football. All right. Black gold underscore Ed. July 1st, momentous day in the history of UCF Athletics. Seems like UCF not doing a whole lot to celebrate. Of course, we've got the block party at Burger U on Saturday. What do you think? Should UCF have put a little more oomph behind this? I heard rumors that there's some sort of event that's maybe um, sort of A-list donor-based event, but nothing from a public standpoint. And that is a bit surprising that there isn't something for UCF for a school that likes to sort of, you know, uh, be out there and, and do some innovative things. You would have thought they would have some sort of like a fan fest or something figured out, but summer, maybe a lot of kids are away. I, I don't know, but it is a bit surprising. Leo at Citro Night, when will it feel like UCF has arrived in the power five is it is it going to be saturday for you or does there need to be a game attached to it yeah definitely a game uh it won't hit probably till we uh, face our first uh, power tw- i mean uh, power five opponent in, in the big 12 so when that game comes around that's when it'll settle in uh as of right now it'll still feel kind of like surreal like ah, are we there yet we're not there yet like so yeah first for sure game has to happen uh, Adam at emptiness for Michael is July really about to be as big as the players and recruits are hyping it up to be. Yeah. I mean, by all accounts, Brandon had said earlier, I mean, there's, there's certainly a bunch of names that are out there where UCF appears to be in the driver's seat somewhere in that three to five range of, of names. And obviously, uh, you know, UCF, if they can nail down some of those, that'd be fantastic. We have to hold on to them. I think that's the other thing that I would say cautiously be excited about, but obviously we've already seen a couple of guys uh, flip from UCF at this point as well. So, there's there's some optimism that there'll be a nice July and uh, and hopefully we can hold on to those names throughout the rest of the year. At Lonely B UCF, when Skyline finally opens in Orlando, will there be any reason to visit Cincinnati? Now I was part of that podcast with Ten Twelve last night, a host from each of the shows, Viva La Cats, uh, representing Cincinnati, and he talked a great deal about all the things to do in Cincinnati. You know, it's the it's the gateway there. He says, you know, move over St. Louis, Cincinnati's where it's at. So. I think I think you should be kind to Cincinnati. They've got really good breweries. I, I will say that. So um, I'm not a big fan of the Skyline Chili. Apparently, people shotgun this Skyline Chili. Oh, God. Seems like a thing. Yeah. At underscore all night underscore. If JRP comes out and continues to be inconsistent this season, how many games does he have before the Boo Birds and chance for Timmy McLean or Xavier Williams, Leo? He has to be. First in- half against Kent State. No, no, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not going to happen. Like, t- I'm, what I'm saying is, Timmy McLean and Xavier Williams are not going to happen unless he is extremely bad. Like, JRP has to come out extremely bad. The boos are not going to do a thing. So they can keep booing. They're not going to get McLean. They're not going to get Williams. Um, only if, you know, JRP just has a stink, a stinker. He's got to have a stinker. So, uh, yeah, that's my take on that. Gotcha. At Strength of Spear with. Three questions, uh, Adam. Y'all enjoying the USF meltdown with FAU Twitter? <laughs> FAU Twitter is taking it to them. It's been so <laughs> enjoyable. We've handed the baton off to them, and they're just. And then the American puts out a big graphic promoting who's going to own the state of Florida: FAU or USF? My, how the not so mighty have fallen. I don't know if this is a hot take, Trace, but I I just stopped caring about USF. I don't even. I don't even see stuff on on timeline anymore. I just scroll past it. I, I mean, I haven't even thought about the cows in a, in a minute. So I just kind of scroll past all that. So good on FAU for dunking on them. And 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 look, I think that's a program that they have a good coach and Tom Herman. If they can make some strides, basketball to the Final Four. Don't be surprised if they they probably already have overtaken the cows. But don't be surprised if they're not putting the cows in their in their rearview mirror in no time. 
at Strength of Spirit again with another question I'll answer. Are the war on I-4 trophies in storage or are they on display? Leo, I don't know if you've ever noticed in the media room, but you can see them tucked behind a, a riser and a banner and things. They're, yeah. They're not so, it's not such a prominent thing. The base of it's just uh, in a corner. Uh, another one from Strength of Spirit. Leo, which sport gets the first Big 12 win? You know, soccer's out there, women's soccer starts, uh, volleyball will start before um, football gets into it. Oh. One of those? First championship for, I would say. First, first Big 12 win. Oh, first Big 12 win. Uh, I would say, yeah, uh, soccer. I would say men's soccer. Not and, men's soccer. They're in the Sun Belt. Uh, Not now, Leo. Come on. Um, Women's soccer is in the, is in the power five. We're angry, Leo. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, uh, what, what's, uh, what sport is going to get it. Women's soccer. Put me down for women's soccer. At the SOG, SOTG, Adam, in what sport will UCF win their first championship? Sounds like I should say surfing because I just heard that <laughs> we're the best surfing school in the Big 12, except we got to watch out for that rivalry with BYU. <laughs> BYU. So, sounds like I should say surfing. Mm. Uh, at S. Morrow, how do you feel about Taylor Hendricks' fit in Utah, Adam? I mean, I feel less good about it when they just trade for John Collins, another big man um, who could eat up some minutes for Taylor Hendricks. So uh, they have a plethora of big guys down there. So either they they project him to play the three uh, versus the four, which is possible with his body type. And, you know, got to put some muscle on there or he'll get kind of a redshirt year. He'll get a chance to sit the bench and, you know, learn a little bit and, and get some run here and there. And when when contracts expire, uh, move out. But a bit of a log jam down low but look here's the thing about it. if he can come in and play and make shots you know his game is tailor-made for what the nba does today and if he can make shots consistently play some uh, play some good defense get up on the court he'll find some minutes here and there tailor-made see what you did there oh, at uh, brian w peterson uh leo what do you think will have the greatest uh, short-term impact on men's basketball taylor hendrick's selection in the nba draft or ucf joining the big 12 does just simply being in the big 12 create some short-term impact in a positive direction uh, a combination of both, but if I had to absolutely choose one, it'd probably have to be joining the Big 12 just because we're going to get the funding and all that going forward. But I feel I still feel as if Taylor Hendricks is a big impact. The only thing that that changes is if we don't stick with Johnny going forward, he was the one that recruited Taylor. And all of a sudden, you know, we're waiting for Taylor-like recruits to join UCF, especially now that we're in the Big 12. And I just don't know if that's going to happen if he doesn't, you know, if he doesn't stick around. But, you know, Big 12 is forever. So that's that's how I see it. At Zeebles UCF, Matty Bejarano, Greg Lovelady, UCF Mike, and now with the Horton, all once widely beloved by Night Nation, suddenly never heard from again. Is there a Sons of UCF curse forming, Adam, or something? Da, da, da more sinister <laughs> was UCF Mike Watts uh, beloved <laughs> we should go back to that for a second he's still around uh, yes still he around. is beloved though is not the word I think well. most fans would use to describe UCF Mike um look this is compelling evidence uh Zeebles. I'm not gonna lie to you. this is compelling evidence there's there's not a lot um not a lot I can argue here would have been nice if Ithiel had told us on the show last week that oh, by the way UCF's gonna be great I mean I think he even said like Night Nation is gonna be great I can't wait so either he had a really rough 48 hours or he looked leo and nate right in the face and lied to them leo lied right to your face leo from now on when you do interviews you have to include hey will you be here are you going to be back tomorrow you know you're talking about next year yeah. are you gonna be here tomorrow Funny. yeah i know that reaction from if you did you talk to him before he he came in what was the conversation yeah so when i asked him to get on camera you know he was just 
he looked very happy. He looked with, with his teammates. He was very unified with his teammates. He was genuinely happy for Taylor Hendricks getting drafted. He didn't give me no hint of – actually, I would say he was one of the uh, basketball players that showed up late. That is one thing. Um, he wasn't, tardiness. He, yeah, he was not there. Yep. Yeah, he was not there mm-hmm. from the very beginning. So you know, I you know I talked to him afterwards, and I didn't see anything. But I guess that's the only thing that stood out to me. Tardiness. Mm. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Finally, CAAC UCF finishes its ten-year tenure in the American, fifty-two titles in the AAC, most in the league. Leo, who's second? Don't cheat. Did you know? No. Uh, second would be Cincy. Nah, not even in the top four. Houston with 45. I know I saw that. SMU 34, Tulsa 30 titles. My goodness. All right, one more time, guys. Burger U, Saturday, Big 12 block party, Brits Bunch, Sons of UCF, Kingdom NIL. Kingdom NIL will be out there with some auction items. We're told some players will be swinging by. Of course, a lot of people come out and hang out, a little opportunity to get together and uh, talk about this great moment. Adam, you'll be there. Correct. What time? Yes. <laughs> yes. Leo, are you? Are you? Are, are we scheduling a bouncing with Leo? I am. I, I. I will be there, and I honestly, I can't wait to react, uh, interact with you know other people, and kind of see the the reactions of, of people you know joining the Big Twelve after such a long wait. You know, it's the perspective of the lifelong fan that matters most. Uh, so, uh, can't wait. Oh, and Brian, <laughs> and Brian you w. can meet Peterson. the legend that is Brian, Brian W. Peterson. <laughs> yes, I heard for a small donation, he will leave your voicemail on your phone. It's that time again. I <laughs> leave people, a message. I wonder if people will come up to him and say, "Talk to me like this." <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it has been fun. Want to thank Brandon Helwig for sharing some memories and perspective over twenty plus years covering UCF, and Jonathan learned a lot more about Surf Club at UCF and. Final show for us in the G5 as part of the American onward and upward into the Big 12. For Adam and Leo, I'm Trace Rolko. Go Knights! Charge Charge on. on. I forgot to do This is Taylor Hendrickson. Thank you for watching the Sons of UCF. Third straight. mileage out of him as we can. (laughs) Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.